Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will laugh with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war of so much chaos and uncertainty in the world around us, we look to the change makers. These are the individuals who have the courage to take risks and truly make a difference. They are the ones who challenge the status quo, no matter how difficult it may be and no matter what consequences they may face. They are driven by their passion to create meaningful change and they inspire others to do the same. Change makers have a unique ability to see opportunities where others don't. They use their creativity and their tenacity to bring about positive change in their communities. They're passionate about making an impact on the world around them. Whether it's through advocacy, activism, or education, these change makers lead by example with their courage and determination, inspiring others they meet along their journey to join them in creating a better future for all of us. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit these to any of our hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop down menu. We love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you're able to do that, we will be that voice for you. Joining me today is one of those change makers I spoke about in my intro. Jill McLaughlin Grunwald is a functional medicine certified health coach, founder of Healthful Elements LLC, and best selling author. In recent years, she's become a fierce health freedom and parental rights advocate. She penned an anti-mandate article prior to the onset of COVID that's been hailed magnum opus and as a result of support from the healthcare community, started Coaches for Health Freedom. Two years later, she started Protective Parent Coalition to stand in the gap between parents and the divisiveness that is taking place in our school districts. Jill, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be with you. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to have you on. You know, these these past three years, Jill, have been interesting, right, to say the very least. And I I feel that, you know, for me, uh, COVID, if there's a silver lining to it, you know, it's really what peeled my eyes open to so many things. But when was your red pill moment? It sounds to me like from from what I've read and and heard about you that you've been awake to what's been happening for a a bit longer than that. Is that right? Yes. Um, I mean, my concern about ingredients in various shots has been um, longstanding. It goes back more than 10 years. But my real red pill moment was June of 2019 when California and New York each lost an exemption 
for school children within a very short period of time. It was like, boom, boom. And I could see the writing on the wall. It was a, it was a defining moment in my life. And I'm in Minnesota, right? I'm not in either one of those states, but I could see what was about to happen. Um, now this was pre-COVID. I didn't know that COVID was coming. Nobody knew about COVID at that time, but just those two events happening in such short succession uh, really opened my eyes. And I knew that, you know, the two bookends of the country were being greatly affected. You know, parental rights were being um, compromised, health freedoms were being compromised. And I just, I could see the landscape. I knew what was coming. And I knew at that time that they weren't going to just come for the kids. I knew that this was going to have implications for the whole population. Now, I didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. Yeah. What, eight months, nine months later, COVID hit, and I was like, okay, here we go. I didn't think it would happen that soon, but as soon as COVID hit, I knew exactly what was going on and what was in front of us. Yeah, I, I thank God for, you know, eyes to see what was happening um, because, you know, I had and I, I didn't certainly didn't come into this fight anti-vax. I, I truly I didn't. I was as a nurse, I was pro-vaccine uh, throughout my life and nursing career. I mean, not militantly so, but I, I just always implicitly trusted them. And, you know, the education that we get as nurses is um, safe, effective and necessary. And that's the extent of it, really, um, which is something I'm still working working through, um, you know, that I had had for so long been recommending these vaccines that I, I didn't know. I didn't know what was in them. And, you know, we just kind of left it to uh, those who were in charge and and didn't think much of it um, to do our own research. And that's something I'm really, really uh, ashamed of and I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with and working through. I think a lot of us are. Um, but even in the beginning, I didn't think anything nefarious was going on. I just thought, you know, maybe we want to wait a little bit. You know, this is very, uh, there's not enough safety data. So that was my concern initially. Um, but then as COVID, you know, started, just none of the policies made any sense to me. It, everything just basically flew in the face of everything that we had long known to be true, uh, everything that we always did in healthcare. So, you know, from the very beginning, I, I was questioning everything. And I think many of us were, and thank God, because so many just seemed to fall right in line. And do you think it was the fear um, that was the proponent of that? I do. I do. And, you know, a lot of people look to um, medical professionals and the government as authority. And um, I think there was just so much fear instilled and the media and the media. Right. Yeah. So there was definitely a huge fear factor right out of the gate with COVID. And, you know, it was all over the news. It was it was all over the media. It was all over social media. And when people are in a place of fear, you know, they can go into amygdala hijack, you know, they're not necessarily in their rational brain. So I think a lot of people um, had a difficult time kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, well, what really is going on here? Is this as serious as they're making it out to be? Um, 
Yeah, I, I think that it was driven by fear. There was a, you know, the term that's been used a lot over the last three years is fear campaign. And and, and I do think it was a campaign. Oh, yes. And, and when you, I think when you look at it, especially this far removed, you can almost see how systematic and how strategic it was. Um, and I am now applying that to everything. <laughs> do you do that as well? Like I apply that to everything going back through the history of my life at, at different you know, events. And I just start looking at everything and wondering how much of it was propaganda. Um, and I think many of what we've seen over the years is is probably very much that and we just didn't see it at the time but it's like once you see these things you can't unsee it once you see those strategies you can't unsee them yes and that was one of my observations in 2020 when COVID hit was well gosh this is supposed to be this new novel virus but this um plan seems very orchestrated like they sure were organized right out of the gate like how how did they become so organized around something that was so new yeah exactly just nothing made sense to me yeah it was it was really interesting uh to see how so many educated people really just weren't questioning anything though i i couldn't understand it and when i know i started uh, nurse freedom network in july of 2021 which was right about the time that the mandates were coming down and it didn't hit my facility first it, it hit started to hit like the nonprofits, uh i think first so it actually hit a facility that i had worked at previously and i saw it coming down and really affecting some of my friends and uh you know colleagues and that's why I started Nurse Freedom Network to take that stand against um, its medical tyranny. I mean, there was that to me, it was just as as plain as anything that that's what it was. It was never a question for me. Um, but I think that you know the work that I did in starting Nurse Freedom Network and then later with Remnant Nursing. You know, I I say I I felt very much called to do that and to be on this path that I'm on. And it was like a nagging feeling. It just, it kept pulling on me and I just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It was like that relentless pulling. Is that yes. how you felt? Like when you were starting your organization? Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. Well, backing up for just a second in, in that summer of 2019, when I started writing an anti-mandate article, um, which didn't get published for a few months because it, you know, it's long. It's a, it's a pretty substantive piece of basically investigative journalism on how, you know, the government is in bed with big pharma. And, um, I mean, I do talk about the risks of, of some ingredients in shots and, and that's not something I'm, I'm not an expert on the ingredients of, of different vaccines. And, um, I know that it can depend on manufacturer and like where they're where they are manufactured but my life very much changed in an instant i mean as soon as the reality of what was happening hit me the next words out of my mouth were i have to write about this i have to write about this and you know people in my life at the time kind of thought i lost my mind a little bit i mean some friends were like well why do you care what's happening in new york and california and I just kept saying, "This they're coming for all of us. Like, we're going to be mandated to take something at some point. And I was even talking about vaccine passports that summer. I don't think I was using that term specifically, but I was, I, I said, you know, you guys don't understand. This is, we're on a very slippery slope right now. But I was very determined. I was very, very, very determined to 
right about the risks of mandating any medical procedure, any medical procedure. So, um, you know, (laughs) it was a difficult few months of fits and starts. Um, I was very determined. Like I said, I was committed to getting this thing published, but you know, I had to take some breaks. And as I was researching for the article, I learned a lot more, which was pretty devastating. The things that I learned as I was writing this, this article, um, further red pilled me for lack of a better way of saying it. And then it got published in like the first week of January of 2020. After I published, you know, one of my friends said, well, I don't see you publishing this and skipping down the street. Like you're going to do something else. And, and I, it, it was a few weeks of wondering what's my next step because she was right. I wasn't just going to publish this and then move on with my life. Like I was, I, as you and I talked about, <laughs> um, prior to this interview, I will die on this hill. I, I am committed to this for the rest of my life, whatever it takes. Amen. So as the weeks went on, more and more people in the healthcare community started reaching out to me, nurses, a couple of doctors, massage therapists, health coaches, chiropractors saying, where did you get the guts to do this? This has been heavy on my heart. Um, this is something I'm very passionate about. Where did you where did you get the nerve to to write this article? Um, and as more of those messages came in, literally one day I woke up with the idea to start an organization to support healthcare practitioners in speaking out. Now I'm not a licensed medical provider. I'm a certified health coach, but I do have quite a few licensed uh, medical providers in my community. And I decided to start Coaches for Health Freedom. And I realized there's the word coaches in the title, but honestly, it's for any healthcare practitioner who wants to garner the, the courage to speak out about what's happening in the world right now. And so I do um, periodic Zoom calls for the community, just just as support, just so people can come together and kind of glean support from one another. There's quite a few nurses in the community. Um, it's mostly nurses and health coaches. That's that's the two. Um, you know, uh, those are the primary people in my in my community. And then I do one on one, either phone calls or Zoom conversations with anyone who really wants to pick my brain about my journey and stepping up and how my life changed after I took a stand, you know, I mean, it's been nothing but positive, right? It's, there's been a little bit of negativity. I really didn't get much hate mail from my article, which I really thought that I would. It's been overwhelmingly supportive, the feedback. So um, Coaches for Health Freedom takes no money. You know, there's a, there's a button on my website that says donate, but not to us. So I just want to serve the practitioner community and whatever small way that I can to speak out, whether that's having one-on-one conversations with their clients or patients, or whether it's maybe starting to speak out a little bit on social media, or maybe if they have, you know, a electronic newsletter with, you know, a community of people who follow them, maybe they start speaking out in that way. So I really just want to be a resource for people because I know, and I know you know this, 
there's a lot of healthcare practitioners out there who feel the same way that we do, but they, they haven't yet, you know, garnered that courage to speak out. And I don't say that in a judgmental way, everyone has to do this in their own timing. You know, they have to do it at the time that is right for them. If I can help them along the way, then, then I want to be able to do that. You know, and I think what you're doing, the work you're doing is so important. Thank you for what you're doing because it is so important that we do have community. And I had tried to do that um, in the beginning of Nurse Freedom Network. We've done like some periodic uh, podcasts where we would do some live and interactive calls that we would just have people come on because we're trying to build community and let people know that they're not alone. Um, Because so many, like you said, so many of us feel the same way, but we do feel like we are alone in this fight. I would say for the first probably six months or so uh, into this. It's, I felt like it was also absurd in the beginning. And I was like, oh, we've got to stand up and, and you know, we've got to fight back against this. And I looked around thinking everybody was going to be right there behind me. And I'm looking around. I'm like, why am I standing here by myself? Yeah. Whereas I, I was like, oh my God, they're not coming. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because to me, it was so blatant. And I knew that some of these other nurses felt the same way, but they weren't coming alongside of me, which really, I mean, it really disturbed me in a lot of ways. But what, and, and you know, a lot of people would cheer me on from the sidelines, you know, they were like, you know, we really we support you. We support what you're doing, but we just, we can't do anything, you know, because we have a mortgage to pay and I've got bills to pay. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, I had all of those things too. I'm sure you had all of those things. Oh my gosh. Yes. So that to me, I think people think that they're, they're, um, that they're being positive when they say that it really bothers me a lot when people say that to me for some reason. And I understand, you know, we all have to come into this at our, in our own timing. And I, I realized that a lot of people aren't even awake to what's happening and I have to give them grace because I remember there was a time when I wasn't awake to all that was going on either. But it does bother me. It does bother me a bit when they are awake, but they won't say anything because at this point, at this point, you know, we see what's happening, the death and the devastation. How can we not speak out? I literally couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. The very thought of they wanted me to tell, to recommend this vaccine to children, and they wanted me to call it safe and effective, when there's absolutely no way we could have said that. Yeah. We, had no, we had no data or anything to say that. So, you know, to that point, it, it's hard for me. You know, it, it really is. And I try to do give everybody grace, but it gets harder and harder for me, the deeper and the more that we get into this. So that's something I apparently have to work through. But. You and me both. I mean, I have said to many people over the last couple of years that one of the most devastating things about these last couple of years is colleagues and and friends in the holistic healthcare space who won't speak up in any way. You know, they, they believe you know, they're, they're with us, (laughs) um, but they're, they won't speak up or, What's been more devastating to me actually is seeing some of who I would consider to have been former colleagues, former friends in the holistic functional medicine healthcare space who have been, I'll just use the word bullies online about getting this intervention, yeah, getting the COVID shot. Um, people who I never would have thought would have encouraged 
others to do. You know, we're talking influencers with like pretty large social media followings. And I know they, you know, they have a lot of people on their newsletter community. And that really, that has really crushed me to see people who I never would have thought would have gotten behind this getting behind it wholeheartedly and actually using some very persuasive and bullying language to encourage others to do it. And, and that, that has, that has given me, you know, that's left me staring at the ceiling at night a few times. Yeah. It's blown my mind as well. Like there are people that I never imagined would have ever recommended any vaccine, let alone something that was like a novel vaccine where we didn't have any safety data and then to recommend it for children. I mean, that was to me, that was my proverbial line in the sand was when they started, you know, at first I thought, well, you know, as long as they have informed consent, but informed consent does not exist in this scenario at all for anybody because they're, they're using the word safe and effective. And we, we couldn't possibly know that because we have number one, no long-term data and that short-term data so far is looking uh, pretty alarming so far. Um, So how we've not pulled these shots from the market is, I mean, I just don't understand it. I cannot make any sense of that whatsoever. And I've testified uh, to different state legislatures, to county commissions. Um, My goal for 2023 is to get around to as many elected officials as I possibly can. Let them hear my testimony. What was happening in the hospitals? What what were the injuries that I was seeing at the bedside uh, and that that I continue to see? And we know VAERS is so drastically underreported. So, but but what's interesting to me, Jill, is that as a nurse, I am not allowed to give quote unquote medical advice. So I am not able to tell somebody that they shouldn't get the shot because that's considered medical advice and that's outside my scope of practice. Okay, fine. But then why is it that anyone on the street can tell somebody that they should go and get this medical intervention? That makes no sense to me. Yes. None whatsoever. So I always say that I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that, that I, you know, as you know, an educated medical professional cannot comment on that one way or the other, but you know, your pastor can tell you or anybody else that doesn't have any um, background at all in healthcare can say, go get the vaccine. No problem. And healthcare is so one size, it's not one size fits all. I think we all know that, right? Absolutely. And I think one of the other things that um, has been very problematic is that so many medical professionals have said to people who are immunocompromised, oh, because you are immunocompromised, you should absolutely take this shot. Right. And when did we start doing that? I don't know, because we know that there are ingredients in not just this shot, but other shots that can actually incite and, and, and tip the scales over into autoimmunity. And that's what got me on the path of looking into this, you know, like I said, over 10 years ago, because one of the things that I've been passionate about for, well, really 17 years that I've been a health coach is heavy metals. Yeah. In the environment. I mean, we can, we can acquire heavy metals from a few sources, but once I understood that there were heavy metals in various types of vaccines, that really opened my eyes to ask myself, and this was just self-study, you know, this was just 
you know, reading and studying that I was doing on my own, what else is in these shots? And then once I really started looking at it, I was utterly shocked. Yeah. Utterly shocked. Yep. When you do, when you start doing the research, you know, I didn't really, um, I guess it's like I said, these past three years have really opened my eyes. And I, when I started to do the research, I was, I was the same. I was completely shocked. I actually went to an event. Um, it was the American Health and Freedom Summit uh, back in Nashville a year ago. I spoke at this event and I started really listening and watching these presentations um, on the vaccines and on the, the data between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated, the, the health, uh, healthcare. Um, outcomes of these two populations. And that evidence is compelling, right? I didn't realize that, you know, okay, so one in, I did realize that one in, I think it's now 36 uh, children, boys are diagnosed with uh, some form of autism. But what I didn't realize is that the incidence of autism in the unvaccinated is virtually zero. You know, it's virtually zero. And I think that one in 36... I think that one in 36 is actually much higher because there's many mm-hmm. children who haven't yet been diagnosed. Exactly. Exactly. I, I would not doubt that at all, but that's pretty compelling to me. That was very compelling. It was very eye opening. And um, from that point on, I started really looking into everything else and I couldn't believe, you know, that there's, there's like not even been safety um um, studies have not even been done on some of these vaccines and they just, they can't point to a a single study. I think a lot of what's going on right now is, you know, you talk about being red pilled and how, you know, some of us are red pilled and we're awake and others are having a challenging time seeing the truth. And I think and one of the things I've talked about with a lot of my friends and colleagues in the health freedom space is sometimes it's very hard for people to admit that they didn't do their homework yeah, or to admit that they were wrong or to admit that they harmed their child. No one is going to intentionally harm their child. No one is going to intentionally give their child a medical procedure or a medical intervention with, I mean, we're told that these are safe and effective, right? And and parents believe that. And, and I think a lot more people are actually waking up to big pharma. Yeah. What's in these shots, you know, how the government is in bed with big pharma. <laughs> I mean, I'm completely done. I'll never get another shot. I will never recommend another shot. They won't come yeah, at me with never. a TB, a TB skin test at this point. I'm done. No tetanus. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Lucky if I let them draw my blood. <laughs> so when you talk about grace and compassion for people, um, we have to have a lot of grace for people because yeah. it can be challenging to admit that, Hey, I was lied to. And, and I made some choices that Um, if I had to do it over again, I would probably do something different for me and my child. There's a lot of minds being changed right now, whether it's quietly behind closed doors or, you know, I I think more people are slowly becoming more outspoken about what's going on And, and, and not necessarily just people in the healthcare space, but more and more parents are starting to speak out because of the devastation that we've seen over the last couple of years, the injury, the death. Um, I mean, 
it's everywhere. It's, it is. It's, it, I mean, the mainstream media isn't reporting it as we know, but it's kind of starting to eke out a little bit in mainstream media. So pretty soon, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for the average person to not become aware of what's really happening in our world right now. Yeah, it's hard to look away. I mean, it's it's happening everywhere, but they're trying to normalize it, which is and and they're actually being pretty successful at doing that because I have people just like they're like, oh, this it's it's always been like this. These people have always like, normal, healthy, young, uh, you know, twenty year olds do not normally die in their sleep, no cause of death. Um, this is not normal, but people are acting like this has been like this the entire time. It, it has not, and I've never seen anything quite like. It, but it's so disturbing to me. And the, I, I really believe that we've only scratched the surface of, of what's to come. I, it's already catastrophic at this point and it's, it's going to get worse. So I really think that we need to brace ourselves for what's to come because many of our friends and family um, have been vaccinated and they continue to get the boosters. You know, I think maybe if you got the first two and um, you know, you're doing okay. But I think a lot of people don't even understand, Jill, that they are vaccine injured. I have multiple autoimmune conditions. And it wasn't until probably a few months ago that I realized and connected the dots that I think that that is related to um, my three series Hep B that I received when I got into healthcare um, 26 years ago when I was 19. So I developed multiple autoimmune conditions within six months of those shots. Oh my gosh. So I never thought anything of it. I never thought it could possibly be related to a vaccine. Why would I? Like, I just, I just never, it wasn't ever anything that came to my mind. But as I begin to think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it was all in that same year that I got into healthcare and I did receive that three series of the happy. Um, so likely all of that is really, I think that we are all vaccine injured on some level and we just don't connect those dots because disease it's some, It's caused by something, right? America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24-7. Great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time in this The wellness company shares your values and fights for medical freedom. They put patients before profits and follow medical science, not political science like doctors on the left. Their chief medical board, which includes Dr. Peter McCullough, are the makers of the incredible American-made, high-quality spike formula. If you worry about spike proteins, go to TWC.health and use promo code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount. Once again, that's TWC.health, promo code OUTLOUD. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. 
Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, we have been talking to Jill McLaughlin Grunwald. And we have been having a very interesting conversation uh, so far. So again, founder of Coaches for Health Freedom and the Proactive Parent Coalition. Jill, welcome back. Thank you. So we were talking about, before we went to break, we were talking about the, um, just the autoimmunity, the um, onslaught of autoimmunity conditions that we've had. But let's think about even just pre-COVID, um, I would say over the last maybe five to 10 years, I, especially with children, when we look at our, our younger generation, these are the sickest kids I ever remember seeing, whether it be ear infections or um, I've never seen so many food allergies and ADHD and autism. I mean, all of it. I'm starting to believe again, like I had alluded to earlier that, you know, we, this is all a form of vaccine injury and we're just not connecting the dots. Do you think that's a fair statement? Do you feel like that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And as I said before, I'm not a licensed medical provider. And the only capacity that I work with the pediatric community is, you know, my, my alopecia community. So historically, um, so I also have had uh, MOS or multiple autoimmune syndrome, um, including alopecia Hashimoto's, and I do have celiac. So, um, yeah, it's it's challenging, and I I I have a big heart for kids, right? And again, I I don't work with kids really all that much. Cause historically I've mostly worked with people with Hashimoto's women, mostly with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune hypothyroidism. Um, but we're seeing more and more kids with alopecia and it could be alopecia universalis where they have absolutely no hair, no eyelashes, no eyebrows, or it might be patchy hair loss. Um, but as someone myself who got alopecia for the first time when I was 13, I can't, that, that was devastating enough, right? I can't imagine being like a five, six, seven-year-old and not having any hair and trying to, to navigate life as a young child. And it's also very devastating for parents, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's autoimmune or some other dis-ease, right? Some other imbalance, whether it's ADD, ADHD, 
So there's a spectrum of, of imbalance that, that is plaguing our children and it's heartbreaking. We didn't see these numbers a few decades ago. We didn't see kids this sick and it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking as, as a mom, you know, I of course care very much about my own child, but I, I'm concerned about what's going on with children from a medical perspective. I'm also concerned about what's going on for our children in the public schools. Like I, I don't want to lose a generation. Yeah. And I, I fear that we are, I mean, if we just look at this last, the last one or even two generations, um, you know, so much damage has been done and whether we're talking about um, all, you know, everything that has been going on in the public schools. I mean, here in Tennessee, we literally just had to pass a bill um, that said that um, you can't mutilate a child for for, uh, the the, uh, gender affirming surgeries. Like I can't, but why is that even necessary? How is this even a thing? Like these are children, these are children. And it's just, it, it disturbs me to no end what has happened to these children. And it's all very intentional. You can see that there's an agenda involved in it um, to where these children are literally being groomed. And if we look at just the devastating, um, event that we had happen here in Nashville, um, we, we see it's clear with the there's mental illness that is on the rise. And I feel like we are not addressing mental illness, where we're coddling delusions. And that's a problem. And look where it is leading. But we're medicating. Oh, the, oh, yes, that was my that was my next uh, the go to is like, we have to look at these these psychotropic drugs that these children are being placed on um and so many of these kids i mean i would i would venture to say like eight out of ten and i'm just i don't really know this but i would say off the top of my head but i would say probably eight out of ten children are on some type of uh, of a medication for the adhd if you look at the numbers i'm gonna have to go back and, and get the statistics on that um but i would say a good number of children are now medicated for adhd or for you know um some form of anxiety and I want to say, I guess I kind of have worked with the pedi- uh, pediatric community a little bit by proxy because in the work with my adult clients um, over many years, when we're working with, you know, it's usually the mom, it's mostly women that I'm working with. When we're working on their nutrition and balancing their blood sugar, and then that trickles down to the family, I cannot tell you how many moms have said to me, just the work that I'm doing with you and balancing my blood sugar and improving my nutrition and how I am preparing foods in the kitchen and now feeding my family. My kids are more calm. My kids have chilled out. Um, uh, their, their mood is more steady. There's not as much conflict, you know, in, in our household, just by virtue of balancing these kids' blood sugar. I am so passionate about blood sugar regulation and the non-foods, the the food-like substances that we are feeding our children today 
dysregulates their blood sugar. And there's a trickle down effect through the whole endocrine system, through the whole, whole neurological system that can dysregulate these kids, the chemicals in food, the, the, the dyes in food, the preservatives, the GMOs. Like I, you know, I'm not a licensed medical provider, but my opinion is that a lot of dysregulation in our children is lack of proper nutrition and not having their blood sugar stable. Cause you get a kid's blood sugar stable. They're going to be a completely different kid. Oh, exactly. And we all know, you know, we know all roads lead to the gut, right? Why are we not starting there? Why are we not starting with nutrition? We, they go directly to the prescription pad. And, you know, I've lost so much respect for so many providers because it's it's like they're getting to a point where they're nothing more than, um, you know, glorified drug dealers with degrees. You know, and I don't mean to insult um, the, our fine physicians out there. There are many good physicians, but there are many who don't look to the root cause of what is is uh, happening with these children and they go directly to that prescription pad and the effects of that can be devastating and they can be lifelong they can be lifelong and we really have to start digging a little bit deeper before we make such a decision to to medicate uh, our children um and and unfortunately the schools are the schools are um they're almost bullying parents you know, they're not, the public schools are almost bullying parents into medicating their children. And, and that's a problem. Yes. That's yes. A, we need to start looking at, at nutrition. We need to start looking, I mean, 95% of our serotonin is um, developed in our gut, right? So why are we not looking at that first before giving a synthetic drug? We have like literally to go back to the, the last two generations, we've literally like just drugged and maimed an entire generation. Yes, we have. It and is criminal. It absolutely is. And, you know, that's part of my mission is going to be really to awaken people and start holding people accountable. And I think that as healthcare workers, and we talked a little bit about grace earlier and how we have to give grace to others, but I think it's really important that we start learning how to give grace to ourselves because that that's a hard one. It's I've had to struggle with that, you know, but we, we can't continue to um, hold ourselves and and just rack ourselves with guilt for what we did not know at the time. You know, but when when we know better, we're called upon to do better. So that's the important thing is that when we know better, we are taking those steps um, to do something positive and to change. So I, I hope that people will will take that, you know, and and understand that they do need to give themselves grace as well. Yes, and you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, when we know better, we do better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is what we have to do moving forward. And I think that, um, you know, I think 90% of all of this is just mindset and education. We have a lack of education. And you've mentioned multiple times that you're not a licensed professional, but I'll tell you what, you are probably more educated than most of the licensed professionals I know, because we don't get any education on nutrition. We have very, very limited education on nutrition, probably by design. Um, you know, we get maybe what, a couple of hours of nutrition, the doctors probably get less than that. So yeah. I don't think that degrees um, and, and licensure, I don't think that that defines education at all. Um, I know that, no. you know, I know nurses, some nurses who are more educated and, and, and intelligent than some doctors. And I definitely know 
moms that are more educated than some nurses. So there's so many warrior moms out there who are Mm -hmm. so savvy about nutrition and nutraceuticals and, you know, they turned into these like mom doctors. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, I would trust, I would trust any of them. And that's why I really have a hard time when I see nurses, you know, gaslighting these moms. And this has been going on for way pre-COVID. I mean, there are moms that have been out here for decades screaming and, and you know, trying to tell anybody who will listen about the vaccine injuries that their children have sustained. And, and they're just constantly gaslit. And I'm, I'm so frustrated having only been in the fight for maybe, what, two and a half, three years. And I can't imagine what it has been like for, for these people who have been out here for decades and, you know, no one listens to them and they are completely discarded and disgraced. So, I mean, I give them uh, so much respect for, for what they've, uh, they've done and how, how strong they stand in this fight. Um, and, and we need to come alongside of them because, you know, this, this cannot continue. Again, we have the sickest generation of children we've probably ever had. And who knows what the, the long-term effects of these vaccines are going to do for our children. We, we may not see the full effects of this for another decade or two. I mean, they're, they're jabbing babies um, six months and older. I mean, they were jabbing pregnant women, which we've never, we've never done this with an experimental drug. You know, they don't let them eat deli meat. They don't let them change a litter box, but let's inject you with this experimental vaccine that we don't even know what's in it. So who yeah. knows, you know, tw- 20 years from now, what the impact on fertility is going to be. Oh, it's going to be huge. I mean, we're already seeing some of that play out. Yeah. Fetal demise is at an all-time high. Um, yes. Yes. It's shocking and crushing and devastating. And I am concerned about not only future generations for, you know, the children who are here on this earth right now, but also I think we're going to see such a significant, we, we, we already are seeing a significant increase in miscarriages and stillbirths and infertility and I mean, it's, it's just skyrocketed over the last couple of years. And so it does make me wonder, like, what does the future hold for my daughter and her friends, you know, as far as like their future dating prospects or their That's future awesome. ability to, you know, um, find a mate who they could procreate with? Yeah. And it's that's difficult because I'll tell you, um, you know, we do we do know trans. I mean, shedding is real, of course, but also, um, you know, there's exosomal transmission. There is definitely transmission through bodily fluids. So yeah. we have to be very cognizant of that. Um, you know, for myself, I I I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't pro- you know date somebody or uh, have a relationship with somebody. Um, I, I just I I wouldn't feel comfortable. Um, uh, because of the risk of transmission. So, but I think that it's really important to, you know, I, I have detoxes that I've been using with some clients. I've seen some really wonderful and amazing results with that. Um, and I recommend it for everybody, whether, you know, we've been vaccinated or not, because honestly, it, the, the like again, the shedding, the exosomal transmission, and not just that, but they are coming at us from every angle you can think of, whether it be, you know, the food we eat, the water we drink, um, the very air that we breathe. So uh, the toxic load, and we really have to be more cognizant about what we are putting and what we are consuming into our bodies. 
Yes. And it can be a full-time job too. Oh gosh. Yes. Stay on and top of all of this. Exactly. That's thank God for people like you who, you know, who are really um, helping people to kind of uh, step out. I mean, and nurses, nurses are not known to be healthy. We, we are like, um, there's actually been studies done. We're on among some of the unhealthy, the most unhealthy population there is. So Oh, you know, wow. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're not healthy. <laughs> we have a, we have a horrible diet. We don't hydrate well. We don't sleep. Our stress levels through the roof. So we are not healthy individuals. So for us to be, you know, really preaching health to others is, is to me, it's quite comical um, because we probably need more, the most help out of anybody. <laughs> so I thank God for people like you um, that are out here and really educating people. And that's, that's my goal. And you know, part of what I wanted to do with remnant nursing is because we want to um, have a better environment for ourselves, we, we have to get ourselves healthy and well as well, because we can't continue to pour from an empty cup. And we have to have an environment we're all going to thrive in. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, my community of health coaches specifically, like my my colleague community has decreased significantly over the last couple of years. And, you know, I have some sisters who like, like sisters in the health, in the, um, health coach community who I've locked arms with and we are committed to staying healthy, right? Like staying healthy in a toxic world and also, you know, family first, right? Like keeping our own families as healthy as possible, but then, you know, continuing to march forward and speak the truth about health freedom and walk our talk, right? Because I do think there's also a fair number of unhealthy health coaches too. Yeah. And it's not that not I'm not I'm not sitting here saying, oh, we're perfect, but it is a full-time job to not only keep ourselves healthy in today's world, keep our families as healthy as possible, and also take care of the people who hire us to help them and also stand in the truth, right? And part of being healthy because I've become outspoken with my clients also about the dangers of shots, right? And again, kind of going back to something I said in part one, I do have to sort of walk that line carefully. I kind of have to feel things out. I don't just start, you know, like blurting out information in session number one, but, um, yeah, it's not easy to stay healthy today. And it, and it's not just physical health. It's also spiritual health, mental health, emotional health. But a lot of people have asked me, how have you continued to do what you're doing? You know, like being a voice in the health freedom movement, being a voice in the parental rights movement, having your health coaching practice, parenting. And there's that saying, purpose over pleasure. You know, I actually do derive a lot of pleasure out of my advocacy work, I'd rather not be doing it. I mean, right. you'd probably rather not be doing what you're doing. You'd rather just, you know, right. possibly yeah. just, you know, this is not um, an easy path to yeah. stand up and speak out about health freedom and, and make yourself a target, frankly. Um, but it is very pur purposeful work. It's very fulfilling work. So there's that weird dichotomy of, well, I'd rather not be doing this. You know, we shouldn't have to be doing this, but I will die on this hill. I feel like God has put me on this path. 
and I'm not backing down. I'm not stopping. I'm not going anywhere. And there is pleasure in the purpose, right? It's hard work, but there is fulfillment in like, wow, I really, to my, to the best of my ability, I'm trying to set my daughter up for a healthy future, but I really want to stand for all kids. I mean, all humans really, but I do have a big passion for children. And what does our future as a human race, what does that look like? Exactly. And I think I can, to your point, I say that all the time, you know, that my, I've never been more fulfilled in my entire life in nursing career than I have been walking in my purpose these last three years. It has been absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, would I rather not be doing it? I'd like to say no, but I just can't imagine. I can't imagine doing anything else. This will be my life's work um, from now until the day I die. This will be the hill that I die on. And I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. and I think that if you're not called to the path, you really don't understand what we're, what you and I are saying. But for those of us who have been called for such a time as this, they are totally getting what we're saying right now. But Joe, in these last few minutes, I do want to talk about, you know, you have um, the your advocacy for parents as well. So I really want to touch on that uh, a little bit before before we end today. Tell me more yeah, about that. So, um people probably think I'm kind of crazy for having two advocacy organizations, but again, you and me both. I have two as well. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, just really quickly, you know, in 2019, when I got panicked about what was happening in California, in New York, I said, you know, over my dead body, will this happen in Minnesota? Mm -hmm. So, um, as far as loss of exemptions, uh, for vaccines, so it really, I got really tuned into some legislation and like the different types of exemptions. And I just kind of started to educate myself on, well, what are the laws and what are, you know, um, and, and I, and I found out very early on that there was some legislation on the table here in Minnesota to remove our conscientious religious exemption. And that has left me, you know, <laughs> uh, that is always something that is looming over me um, as far as, you know, what would I do if if that did happen, if that legislation did pass. But um, that foray into, wow, like, uh, is it possible that the school districts could actually have that much control over our lives, right, led me down a path of, well, what else is going on in the schools, right? And boy, oh boy, it's pretty shocking what's happening in our schools right now. And I will say one of the blessings of COVID has been that so many parents have had an opportunity to really become aware of what's happening in our schools, not just from a vaccine exemption, you know, medical exemption standpoint, but oh my gosh, CRT, you know, critical race theory, social emotional learning, comprehensive sex education, you know, the, 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 the gender ideology. So, I mean, I'm here for all of it. And I am court ordered to have my daughter in public school. I can't really say much more about that, but if it were up to me, she wouldn't be there. So I have been forced into a situation that very much goes against my value system and, and what I want for her. 
And so I decided I wasn't going to take it lying down. And I started an organization. It was originally called Good Trouble Parents because there was a collection of uh, public school principals here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota called Good Trouble Principals. They came together under the guise of, you know, wokeness and, you know, they would never admit that it was critical race theory, but it was all, you know, touchy feely language that was basically critical race theory. Um, And uh, equity, you know, I have a big problem with that word equity because it means Mm -hmm. something very different from equality. But nonetheless, I started the antidote to that, which is good trouble parents. But then I changed the name just recently because that organization went defunct. And I didn't want the John Lewis Association. So John Lewis, I'm sure he's a fine human being, but John Lewis was a you know civil rights advocate uh, in the 60s. And he coined the term good trouble. Well, he's a progressive. And I had taken some heat for naming my organization Good Trouble Parents, but it was really the antidote to Good Trouble Principles. So I changed the name to Protective Parent Coalition. And I'm... Fighting in my school district, you know, uh, standing up to the school district around several things. Um, You know, I've had some very challenging conversations with the principal and the social worker and the, you know, even the superintendent. Um, So I'm standing for my kid, but I'm really and and several people have said to me, wow, you're really kind of standing up for all kids. And I'm like, yeah, I am. You know, what's happening in the public schools right now is devastating. They are grooming kids in multiple ways, multiple ways. Absolutely. And it's going to take so many more of us. And thank you for what you're doing, Jill. It's going to take so many more to stand up and and run for school board, run for school board. That is what we need. And all politics are local. If you think you can't make a difference, you absolutely can. We need people to stand up, run for their their local school board elections uh, make a difference like I, I'm trying to do everything I can my child is grown I have a 28 year old but we have to think about these future generations of children and if we don't step in and stand in the gap for these children now you know there's not going to be anybody left there is not going to yep. be anybody left to stand yep. for them so yep. until my last breath and I'm it sounds like till yours as well Jill we are going to be here and we are going to be standing for these children And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all of the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for the truth, and we are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.